Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So it is that time of year again. It is the end of the year. And interestingly for us, I think as as, uh, iOS developers right now, it means that it's time for us to think about our privacy and um, our data tracking and all the things as we've just had to go in and... uh, and fill in our what is it? Apple is calling them the privacy nutrition labels, something like um, that, or something with our app. And I mean, some of these are, have been turned out to be somewhat comical. Like if you look at the Facebook app one, I feel like <laughs> almost as as a protest, they just went in and checked every checkbox, um, just like for funsies. Like they just had had an intern go and check every ch- single checkbox because that seems like what they did. Um, they are collecting all information in a way that's actually kind of smart because you know, legally, like, they probably want to, like, I bet I bet the legal department wanted to cover their butts and be like, all right, we are just going to say we collect everything for every possible purpose because we want the ability to do that without getting into trouble with Apple or legally. And also, I think it's smart because, like, I think nobody expects Facebook to be good in this way anyway. So in a way, it doesn't even matter what Facebook says on theirs. And also, by making it so insanely long, they remove all meaning from any of it. Yeah. Which is actually, I think this is actually a little bit of a flaw in Apple's design that certain things that that are very commonplace, like crash reporting, these things are, are so common and Apple gives them so much size and visual prominence in the display of this thing that actually it's it's actually kind of hard to get an idea of like what in this app privacy label thing what is there that I need to that I need to notice and care about because there's so much noise in it and Facebook's approach is actually kind of genius because they filled it with so much noise that you really get no information from that whatsoever. Yeah. No, it, it, it's it's a weird thing. I, I definitely, I will say, having now gone through the experience for most of my apps and putting in my own information into it, it is, I see what Apple is trying to do here, but it is really confusing. And some of the things show up in a way that is really, it's not, not, not I think deceptive is the wrong word, but it's kind of in that way where like, if you, if you do anything that like, if you record someone's IP address, in many ways, you are collecting their course location, probably, like in terms of that is something that you could ultimately work out back to being a location. But if you put in that you are saying that it's like it's course location, then it shows up just like in the initial thing when the user o- opens the app store, it says like this app tracks your location. And it's like, really? Like, it's it's tricky to me and obviously like i've just like i i solved that problem by just like making sure that i never like log or track an ip address anywhere in anything um and i can just avoid making it look like i'm tracking your location but like that's the one where i feel like there's a bunch of these questions and some of these things are like i don't know um like is it you know is this user analytics is the or is it diagnostic information is it um there's like a lot of the categories and things and what should be counted and what shouldn't i feel like is is I appreciate that Apple is trying to be very specific and like descriptive, but almost it becomes like, I have the same problem that like the user will have when they look at their face, the Facebook one, like when I'm looking at all the checkboxes and I'm just like, I don't know, like which category does this go into? Is this like actually something that I need to worry about? Or is it actually just totally fine? Um, like I've, I found it to be a little bit frustrating and like the degree, you know, the degree to which like if you, you know, for so like for my trans subscription management, I use Revenue Cat, um, and they 
like they have thankfully have they have most third party services seem to have these now like they have their little like checklist of if you use our service this is what you probably have to check um but, you know but some of these things get a little questionable where it's like if you use random identifiers to attach to a user is that tracking the user um because it's not personally identifiable and it's not tracked across anything else but it's a way for them to keep track of them like is that a user id is it a device id um, like anyway, so this is, this has been my life recently of trying to kind of unfurl a little bit of what, um, what checkboxes I'm actually supposed to check. And I really, I, I, I feels like there's gotta be a better way than like the hundred checkbox approach that Apple uh, settled on. It also like, like, you know, when I designed the overcast, uh, privacy and tracking screen for each podcast recently, um, you know, this is a thing if anybody's not familiar where you can go into each podcast screen and overcast and it'll tell you which services its files are hosted through because each one of those services gets your IP address when you request a file. That's just how podcast down- downloads work. And so I, and I try to categorize all the known services that I could find as like, what are these things? So I could display on that screen. All right, this thing goes through Libsyn. This is a hosting service. Uh, it provides stats. This thing goes through PodTrack. This is a tracking service. And and this this service provides dynamic ad insertion. And this service provides cross-site tracking. And I tried to categorize those into these into this, a handful, I think it's four or five broad categories. I, I try to distill it down to like, what, what do you really want to know about this? Like dynamic ad insertion, I say something on the lines of like, this can dynamically insert ads into your podcast, which may be targeted to your region or to your behavior. It's something like that. And that's what, pe- that's what people want to know. People don't care, for the most part, if a hosting service like Libsyn collects regional stats based on IP address lookups to know like how many of your listeners live in you know, the USA versus the UK or whatever. Like That kind of stuff most people don't care about. So there is this kind of hierarchy of like, what what do people really care about and what do people not care about? What's more kind of just noise and technical details? And it's hard to make, you know, it's kind of a judgment call and different people have different amounts of what they care about and don't care about. But like one thing that I tried to do in, in my design of that screen was if there's something, if it's one of the categories that I think people should know about that might be alarming or unexpected in the context of podcast downloads, like being able to track you between different sites, being able to say, inject an audio ad into a podcast you play from a major publisher about something that you looked at on amazon which they totally can do like some of these podcast servers can totally do that and so there's there's like two or three things that if a podcast has one of those capabilities in the in the services that it's hosted by i will change the icon of the privacy screen from the little eye circle for info to the little warning triangle to just kind of say, like, this podcast has something you should maybe look at and know about if you care about this privacy stuff. And the reason I did that is because every podcast has some degree of, well, this is a hosting site. They're going to see your IP address. But some of them just have stuff you care about versus stuff you don't. And I feel like that's kind of where Apple has fallen down a little bit with the design of this App Store privacy label stuff is that there's a lot of stuff in here that almost no one's going to ever care about or that's kind of just inherent to how apps work. you know. And and some of that, I feel like I feel like the... The display of this, once an app has more than two or three things that it collects, the display of this information does not adequately convey what of this should I maybe be alarmed by or should I know about more prominently than everything else versus what's an entire exhaustive list of what all they could possibly do. Yeah, and I think it's it's this weird – Yeah, it's like what you want to know is, is, is something creepy happening 
or is it just like normal and something that you shouldn't have to worry about? Like, like, and like, obviously that's a hard problem to like, well, what's creepy depends on who you are and what you, your kind of your threshold for, um, things is where it's like, it's creepy when you, if you search for something on Amazon and then you hear an ad for it in a podcast you're listening to, like, that's a little creepy, but <laughs> more than a little to me, but yeah. yeah, sure. It's very creepy. But to some people, they'd be like, eh, whatever. Uh, but, but it's even like knowing, yeah, it's, 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 I, I think as, as a developer, what I find frustrating about this is like, I want to be, it's like, I want to be a good guy, right? I, like I want to, I, I, I intentionally and consciously collect as little information as I possibly can, um, about my users. And I do my best to use third party providers that are, when I have to use a third party provider that I use a third party provider that is like, has a good, you know, a good privacy policy and is being respectful. Like I try and do that. And like, I feel like this system in some ways, like I, I just was getting frustrated because it's like, I don't, it's like, it's like, if you, if you check all the boxes, if you're just like Facebook, then Oh, oh, like, oh, well, but if you, it's like the extreme version is obviously like, and I think there's been a lot of this, like everyone's like loves when they're like, I didn't have to check any boxes. And it's like data tracked none. And it's like as a badge of honor, but like, I don't think that's actually practical for a large swath of applications. Um, if you're actually accounting for and ref- like referencing any possible interaction that you have um, in that application. Um, and so it's just a bit frustrating when I feel like I like I don't know like I I, I, don't, I don't like I don't I want to cl- click as as little of these as I possibly can, but and I don't even really know necessarily uh, how many of them I do need to check, um, just because some of it's so ambiguous and kind of confusing. So it's been a slightly frustrating uh, sort of period for me, um, and especially I think doubly complicated by this. So like in in Widget Smith recently, I found myself in this position where like I only, I wanted to collect some very basic. Um, information about my users, which is like, it, it's analytics, right? Like this is, and this is where you are confronted by this question of like, what's creepy and what isn't creepy and um, how, you know, how do I do this? And I think what's especially complicated with Widgetsmith is uh, I have to collect, like I want to collect private anonymous demographic information um, at scale <laughs> immediately. Like uh, I'm suddenly, and I, you know, I don't have an existing web service for this. And so I've spent the last couple of weeks building my own little like ultra privacy conscious tinfoil hat wearing uh, privacy framework. Um, and well, of course I have to share the name because if I, once I had the name, it was perfect. It's, it's called Underlytics, um, <laughs> which that's great. Um, I, I loved because both my name and the fact that it collects almost nothing, but it collects just enough. Um, and it's just been really interesting to kind of think through as I've been building this is it's like all I need is some very basic stuff. Like, and I'm mostly, I'm just looking at like what, what size phones do people have? Um, because that's really, really helpful for me as I develop things to make sure like if 2% of people are using the iPhone SE screen and there's a feature I want to build that requires it, like that would be awkward on that. Like I might, not worry about it or like those kinds of things and so it's like tracking that kind of information is really interesting and kind of interesting trying to as an engineering experience has been kind of challenging too because um you know it's like i'm talking about building a system that um even though it only record sort of reports in uh once a day i think is the way that i structured it when i was building this um you know it's it's suddenly a a system that has to deal with you know sort of tens, if not hundreds of requests per second, um, sort of out the gate. 
Um, and, or even that was a question. Cause it's like, part of me had this funny thought of, it's like, I don't actually care about it. I don't want, I don't really care about any, any individual person's report as I'm already immediately like anonymizing it and, uh, like aggregating it immediately. So maybe I'll just, uh, have, you know, like a random number generator and you only get to report analytics if you are, you know, if you uh, get a one out of a one to a hundred, um, number generator or something. So I just collect, uh, you know, a hundredth of the data, but it's probably because it's randomized, it's probably still statistically, statistically useful. Um, but anyway, so that's been my week. It's kind of <laughs> banging my head up against trying to like trying to do the right thing, trying to be a good, a good guy in this, but, um, being frustrated by the fact that I can't just, I think most people would just say you just drop Firebase or something, right? Like all of these, like, there's dozens of these analytics frameworks that you could just drop into your app. But then it's like, if I do that, I need to check like 12 boxes probably in the, the privacy report, which is like frustrating. And instead you have, and I'm spending a week building something that um, like no user will ever see. And I barely see, um, but I have to you know be thoughtful about it in the first place either way. We are sponsored this week by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system to monitor. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. They help keep your sites and the sites you love online. I use Pingdom. I've used them for probably a decade now. <laughs> I've used it to monitor like everything that anybody would ever know that I made. <laughs> you can even use Pingdom to monitor sites that aren't yours. Like if you want to monitor like you know like Apple's WBDC site for like monitoring when things change or. Um, you know, monitoring like when, when, when like a hot new item goes for sale on a website, you can monitor that with Pingdom. It's pretty cool. So it doesn't matter if you're an individual or a startup or a huge company. You need alerts about any critical website issues that you have. And then you can customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, Pingdom can track and analyze your website's load time. You can see what's affecting user experience. So for sites of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All you need is the URL that you want to monitor. They take care of the rest go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now for a 14 day free trial with no credit card required when you want to sign up use the code radar at checkout to get a huge 30 percent off your first invoice thanks to pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and relay fm yeah for overcast i i did something similar um but you know longer ago and much smaller scale <laughs> where I didn't want to have any kind of third-party analytics frameworks in my app. I, I, I did a long time ago, but you know, many years ago. But I, I dropped those a while back um, because I, it just it didn't feel right, like to have to embed third-party code and send stuff to uh, some service. You know that that like I, I think at the time I, I used Crashlytics for a little while. I think it was owned by Twitter at the time. Uh, it, it it was a whole weird thing. Why why Twitter needs that? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it was it was weird because like. You know, it was it was collecting way more information than I actually needed, and it was doing so in a way that was totally out of my control, both in the binary side of my app and on the analytics side. And so, I decided back then I'm just going to build something myself that's really basic and minimal. And when you do that, you know, yeah, it's a little bit of work. You have to occasionally do things to it, and you it isn't just as easy as dropping something in. But you also retain full control over all the data you're collecting, all the data you're not collecting. And all the binary side of things. Like, I was able to make a really simple, elegant, uh, 
client side version of you know how it collects this information because I knew exactly what I needed and what I didn't. Like for instance, like as you are adding analytics events, and I use it for things like not only you know whatever your device size and OS version and stuff like that is, which helps me decide like what features to support and what OS I need to support and everything. I also use it for basic things like um, if you add a new podcast, what region of the app did you get that from did you get it from the search box did you get it from the directory did you get it by adding by url that way i know like what do people actually use did you like from recommendations and that, that helps me make better recommendation features and stuff like that like with this little like technical detail i did was the, these things are just kept in memory until the next sync these events normally are added to a dispatch queue and the dispatch queue like adds them to an array and during a sync i just suspend the dispatch queue if this thing succeeds, I clear out the queue and I resume. And no matter what, I resume the queue afterwards. So that like yeah. these events never hit the disk, and they they don't they take almost no memory. I don't I don't need to do a lot of like you know complicated logic. It's just super simple stuff like that. Uh, and then on the on the server side, it's just a, a giant you know analytics today table. And I have a cron job that runs at midnight every day that takes yesterday's analytics today table and just like totals up all the totals and inserts them into the analytics archive table, which is just totals. So I only have user-specific data for one day. And I made a change back when Apple, when Apple released all these definitions uh, a, a little while back. I made a change. It used to just be, you know, the table was like user ID, comma, event name, comma, event value, something like that. Now it's just random ID, because who cares? And I have the devices now make a rotating uh, ID. Because I do want to know, like, if the same device is reporting twice a day, I want to know that it was the same device. But I also don't care who it was, and it doesn't matter at all. And so I have a thing where devices just randomly, uh, roughly every couple of weeks, change their random ID. And this is all stuff that I was able to do because I control the entire stack of this thing. And I know what I need and what I don't need. I knew that it doesn't really matter if the app crashes before it sent a certain event. And that's why I don't have to persist to disk because I don't care. It's like none of these stats are that important. <laughs> I just need, as you as you were saying, like you, you just need like one out of a hundred. I just need like general gross aggregate totals of things. I need to know like, do a lot of people use this thing or does almost no one use this thing? You know, do a lot of people still use iOS 12 or does almost no one still use iOS 12? That's the kind of stuff I need to know. And so I'm able to do really minimal basic stuff on both sides. And because I wrote and maintain all of it, when something like this comes up from Apple where they want to know what I do, I can answer the questions almost immediately. I, ha- I, had, I had to look up almost nothing about what I did here because I just know because I wrote it. And I, like, I know exactly what it does. I know exactly what it doesn't do. And there's a lot of power to that, even though, yeah, my graphs are hideously ugly on my little admin control panel. The whole system is, is hideously ugly. Uh, I don't have all the features that, that something fancier might have, but... I don't need that. I'm perfectly happy with the information I have of just like roughly, you know, OS versions and how many people use like the send to watch feature and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think what's, what's, and obviously I imagine at some point, this is what Apple would love for every developer to do, right? Is this, if, if you take a thoughtful approach about what actual data, I mean, and Apple every, like every year at WDC, there's a talk about privacy and this is always their re- refrain is it's like collect only what you need keep it for only as long as you need it and like be thoughtful about why you need it. And very much, I think what their hope is with like by making this be something that we have to actually disclose is, um, is something that they're hoping that people are 
increase the level of thoughtfulness that, that people have about it. And it is certainly an interesting exercise. And it's, I think what has been most fascinating to me is understanding too, is it's, if you take a, a hard look at what you're actually needing is like how the degree to which you can boil down the, the information that you actually want from something that is potentially more of a privacy concern um, to something that is like less of a privacy concern. Like, do you actually need the count of something or do you just need the proportion of something? Um, cause proportion is sort of fundamentally, it's like, it's, it's another level of, uh, sort of obfuscation of the data, um, rather than even to, even obviously like if it isn't something that's specifically tied to someone or is, um, you know, is, is dealt with in that way. Like if you end up with something that is a proportion, it is just, you know, it's, it's less, it's less specific and you're just increasingly like adding these fuzz factors to what you're seeing. But if it's still useful to you, like the fact that knowing that some, you know, 40% of people did something versus knowing that it's, uh, you know, 36,201 people did it, like that is something that if you don't need that data, then don't keep that data. Um, and also, like I was, it was interesting too, when I was going through this exercise is how most analytics I only, like I only need for a day at a time, which like conceptually in, in my originally I thought it was like, Oh, you know, do I need to have, how do I deal with storage of something like this? And it's like, well, if you just don't store it, if you just keep the current day's um, data and then at the next day, like the old data goes away and there's just the new data, like it's probably fine for 90% of what kind of analytics you need are. Um, and if you need the, the long-term stuff, you can always go to Apple's own analytics system and, and look at that and it'll give you a lot of this kind of information. But um, I think that part of this exercise has certainly been nice that the sort of being thoughtful about it and like, do you actually need it? What actually data do you want? But yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's a weird, I just feel I have such this, this weird mixed feeling about Apple's sort of stance here on privacy and, and, and wanting to have these labels be useful, but it's either something where you're being super thoughtful and you have like three things in there. And in some ways those three things like stand out and make me feel like guilty, um, but if I just went in and checked like 20 checkboxes and just said like, eh, I collect a bunch of stuff, um, it, it like, it may not actually, it, it may actually look less suspicious in some ways. I don't know. Like, um, but it's been an, an interesting process for sure. And I, I, I do kind of wish that Apple had, or someone honestly had, had a more sort of t- like took the, took an approach to privacy, um, and did a lot of this work so that individual developers didn't have to. Like, I, I found myself, as I was going through this process too, like, really missing IAD, um, Apple's old, now defunct uh, advertising framework. Um, because th- when I used it, the primary use and reason why I used IAD back in the day was because I didn't have to worry that Apple was being shady um, and doing weird stuff uh, with Apple's, with, you know, with my user's data when they show, when, when I showed ads in, in my applications and it's like in the current world, in the current climate, like I really kind of wish that Apple brought that back. Um, and it gave users, a, 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 like developers, a place to say, if you care about privacy, you can put in this ad for this ad framework and it's not going to do anything weird. It's not going to be, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's going to be respectful of users' privacy. Um, and you'll still like, you know, you'll, you'll make reasonable money and everybody wins, but it really is frustrating to me that those kind of services don't exist. And you end up with either with like using Google's AdSense and AdMob and things, which are like 
fine in the sense that I think, you know, Google is re- reasonably transparent about what they're doing and hopefully what they're doing is reasonable. Um, it's like, or you have to take an approach like what you're doing where you have like a totally custom advertising system, which I don't think scales particularly well nope. um, to a lot of, of use cases. It's great for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, man, I just wish I, I wish I, like that would be, it's too early in the year to start having our like wish casting for WWDC 2021. But man, Either the return of IAD is high on my list, I think, after going through this this advertising and tracking like experience. I don't I wouldn't hold my breath on that. If for nothing else, like imagine the antitrust allegations if like Apple made all other advertising on the phone much harder and then launched their own network again. That's that wouldn't fly. You just you just ruined my whole year, Mark. It's That's, never coming. You're right. Even if Apple wanted to get back into it, which I think they very much don't, they, yeah. would, they would never do that. That would be a bad situation. That, that is a pretty bad look. I'm, I'm, it's yeah. true. And so instead, like, we're stuck. Like, I wish there was a better solution for so much of this stuff, like, it, but there just isn't. One of the great things about all this privacy stuff is that it creates demand for better stuff like this. Like right now, if, if I were to actually have my stuff together or, or you wanted to like actually release your analytics package or i wanted to actually release my analytics package for anybody to use which i can't it's just t- it's t- tight in my app it's too custom but like you know this is a great time for a new open source freely downloadable self-hosted free analytics package to take over the world because <laughs> like right now there's yeah. massive demand created for that um and, and that's one of the great things about like whenever something like this or you know back when gdpr and ccpa laws uh came into effect Everyone all of a sudden had to evaluate and, and they had to do like what you were saying a few minutes ago of like, think about, do I really need to collect this information? Like back when all that stuff went around, I stopped doing anything related to IP addresses because IP addresses are personal identifiable information. And some of it's unavoidable. Like, you know, when somebody makes a request to my sync server, I, I, I can see their IP address. It's part of, <laughs> part of how networking works. But I stopped, I removed it from all logs on my servers. Yeah. And I, I used to even save, like, the last IP on login tokens back forever ago. Because I, I, I figured this might be useful someday to help detect some kind of abuse problems or fraud or who knows what. And it was I never needed it. And so when GDPR came around, I just dropped all that data. I dropped the IP logging from the web server logs. I dropped anything, like, I was even using it for rate limiting. Um, and I just switched rate limiting stuff instead of using the IP address to use the user ID. And nothing happened. Like <laughs> I lost no functionality. I lost no, no abuse became possible that wasn't possible before, or at least nobody did anything with it. Like it, it was fine. Like everything was fine. So I I had this information before. Then I stopped collecting it and stopped logging it, and nothing bad happened to me. I I was just able to then say, all right, this is not something I collect anymore. And the more that we have in the legal or regulatory or platform rules environment that can push developers towards making decisions like that the better we all are i i think you know design questions aside like i I, again i do think that the design of this is too uh information heavy basically and and it it kind of bores you into not paying attention by how much they're telling you Uh, but overall the concept of having these kind of at privacy labels i think is a very good thing and while most consumers won't care and won't look and if they do look, they won't know or understand or care what's in it. But for the few people that do look and care, this can be something that makes your app stand out from the rest. Like I, I looked at what other podcast apps have in their list. 
Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised to see some of them, how bad some of them were. <laughs> so, you know, for, for the few people who care, this can be a competitive advantage for you. And even if that's a very small number, and even if you only ever get one or two extra downloads because of this, because of the choices you made on this, it's better for you. You have less private information. You collect less data. You have to store less data. You have to be, you know, concerned and liable about less data if you ever get hacked or it leaks, something like that. So it, this is a good thing overall, even though, you know, the implementation is a little bit iffy sometimes. Yeah. And I, 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 I certainly agree. I think it's a good thing. I just wish, yeah, it, it, it feels like a, it's just like, this is only half the solution. And I really hope that Apple doesn't think that, oh, we've done it. Our privacy labels and we're sorted. Like, I hope there's a big, strong redesign or clearer guides or automating for some of this stuff. Like you could imagine a world where they are pre-populating some of your answers based on scanning what third-party libraries are in your application. Like, I feel like there's a lot of things here that um, would be helpful. Like in the same way that you do with your thing where you say like, this is Libsyn, this is what this app does. Like, I feel like a lot of static analysis could be done to potentially you sort of identify things like that and make make this process more straightforward because like the goal is so admirable and so I think necessary, but the mechanics and the process of it could be so so more so much more improved and um, like I look forward to hopefully that that happening. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.